you're listening to the We Speak Common Podcast Network. For more information and to support the show, head to wespeakcommon.com. This week, I'm joined by Wesley to talk about reflavoring certain classes in D&D. If you want to play something nature-based, but not be a druid, how would you go about doing that? And why would you even in the first place? Welcome to We Speak Common. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the D&D podcast for everyone because here we speak common. This is the show brought to you in partnership with the Dice Dungeon, the place to go if you want to grab yourself lovely premium sets of D&D dice, whether they're metal, resin, glass or I don't know what, what else they're making them out of these days. Meteorite probably, knowing those guys, they're so fancy. Go and check out the beautiful dice and of course everything else they have on offer including trays and books and all that good stuff and use the code we speak common at checkout to get yourself 10% off your entire order. We're also brought to you in partnership with Describe, spelled D-S-C-R-Y-B, add a dot com on the end. That's the website. You can go there for the help of describing things. They've, they're have they very clever with their naming conventions. And they've got professional creative writers doing all the hard work for you, whether it's monsters, locations, spells, or anything really that you need to paint a picture of in your players' imaginations. Go and have a look. There's a bunch of scenes for free. You can get 10% off your subscription for the first two years for full access if you use the code COMMON at checkout. As ever, there is a link for both of our wonderful partners in the episode description below, and we will talk about what they're up to in the most recent of years uh, at some point during this episode. Right now, though, with all of that said and done, I want to say a big hello to someone who hasn't been sat on the other side of a Discord call with me for a little while. Uh, Mr. Wesley, how are you doing? Hello, I am doing very well, thank you. Good, so, good. It's a nice day for once, actually, which is really weird. You've had a... You've had a, a a big day as well, haven't you? Today? Oh, yes, I have. Mm, I'm very rude because I haven't actually asked you about it up until this point when the microphones mm-hmm. are on. You decided to say it right now. Yeah, see, now now you're locked in. Now you have to tell me see, how it went. Oh, Wesley, Wesley had an interview today. I did. Ooh. I did. Ooh. How was it? It started with a small catastrophe. That, um, oh, one that you're 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 able to tell on the podcast. Yes. <laughs> So it's mainly because um, my uh, professional looking shoes, which looked ever so nice, mm-hmm. decided to give in today of all days. Oh, no. Um, so <laughs> it was sort of a mad dash to any shop. And I got some really sort of not great looking shoes because I had to go to a shoe zone because there was nothing else available nearby. For our American listeners and anyone else across the world that doesn't have a shoe zone, it's this amazing thing that is like, they're like blue and orange. The shops are blue Mm -hmm. and orange and they just sell the cheapest shoes. Awful. Absolutely. I don't don't think I've seen a shoe zone since I was in year seven. Yeah. So they're, they're absolutely awful, but it was the only one that was available for men's shoes where I was going for mm. this job interview. Tends to be so. the way. That's how they get you. <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, ah, oh, okay, fine. Fine. I'll just spend 20 quid, but mm. I'm never going to get back. That's <laughs> quite, that's quite steep for a shoe zone, 20 mm-hmm. quid. That's, that's quite a lot for a shoe zone shoe. Uh, how did the interview go though? In, um, in proper? It went all right. Yeah. Uh, it's normal interview. Felt like it went okay. Mm. So, mm. I can't really give any more details. The only interesting thing was the thing beforehand when it was like, oh, God, help. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and we should clarify, Wesley can't give any more details because it's a top secret classified position. Oh, yes. That's Clearly. why. Yes. No, no other reason. Yeah. Um, well, well, we'll keep our fingers crossed for you. Speaking of fingers, I've had an absolute nightmare this afternoon. Uh, I have chopped the end of my finger off. So that's fun. Uh, that's how my days has been. We've already had some complaints. So I imagine there'll be a couple more during the episode. It hurts so much. I I did it cooking and I... Okay, the only way I can describe it is that I have sliced the end of my ring finger on my left hand. So, you know, if I ever want to get married, well, we're screwed now. Um, and the, I just I just plopped the skin back on like a cap. It was hanging off. I was like, I'll just flick it back on. Um, and I don't have any plasters in my house because why would I have plasters when I need them? And and now it just hurts and it keeps bleeding and it hasn't stopped bleeding for about an hour. Uh, and it looks a bit dead. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I mean, it is the tip of your finger. So... Hey, uh, 
hey, at least I can commit crimes now, and I can it's use not, that finger we say without glove. Finger, it's it's not that big. It's not Wesley. Make a martyr out of me. All I right? can't make a martyr because you have held the whole finger. <laughs> the whole thing's been taken off. No, no, it's not that bad. It's that it's bad. literally like a little section. But it, before it anyone is like, wait, you should have done this first. It's not. Did you put it on ice and go to the ER? No. <laughs> um, no, it is just a little cut, but it really hurts. So there we go. I'm a big baby. Um, that's how my day's going. Amazing. Probably should go on to the topic. Shared our days. Well, I think people care about your secret clandestine meetings and my finger choppings. I think that's more important yeah, than D&D. Yeah, but <laughs> okay, let's, let's talk about Dungeons and Dragons. That is what we're here for. Um, I want to talk about something that you are very good at doing, hence why I've brought you in. And it's something that I, I love it and I always forget that it's an option. Um, and a while ago, if anyone who's listening to this episode has been with the podcast for, oh, the longest of times since the dawn of time, the dawn of this podcast, uh, we had Treant Monk on years ago, literally years ago. And we talked about um, how class doesn't really matter in character build. And you can use the classes and their mechanics to build any character you want. You don't have to stick to the, the st- stereotypical druid or the stereotypical wizard. Um, and, but we talked about it very much in terms of mechanics. Something you're very good at, Wesley, just like everything else D&D related, you are just a bit of a master. I wouldn't say I'm that good at the mechanics. I, there Every... are definitely superior people to me. Everyone at our table would disagree. You are clearly the god of D&D. Um, no, 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 no. <laughs> but you take a character class and you flavor it in such a way that sometimes i don't know what class you're playing and sometimes like especially when a new character is introduced i try to guess what class you are and i get it completely wrong so i want to talk about playing a class as a different class why when how all that kind of stuff um yeah that's that's the setup there we go we're off we're off to the races now so best example i can give is in our in my one-on-one game with Sam, which you're guesting in at the moment, you are playing a character who very much is a stereotypical druid, but isn't a druid at all. No. So sort of one of the purposes I went for, because this was Sam's one-shot game where he is a druid, he's learning to be a druid. Mm. Um, and I've always wanted to do a very shamanistic cleric. Mm-hmm. And I thought this would fit amazingly into this situation where someone is having their, their wonderful druid one shot where they can uh, essentially get some guidance from someone who's not necessarily another druid, mm. but a cleric side. Now, you'd immediately jump to the nature cleric. Of okay. course. I thought it was too stereotypical. I can't just go nature cleric. It's too obvious. Right, it's way too obvious. All right, so, <laughs> um, so I went for the, um, I can't remember the exact name of it currently. It's the it's the storm cleric, thunder cleric, something along those lines. Yeah. Um, and then made the large focus of the nature, and the storm, and everything along those lines. Um, I can give you the description of mm-hmm. Alec that I brought into the game. Yes, let's yes, let's do that because this is the thing. So, so he's a he's a cleric, he's a storm cleric, but we we meet him as if he's a druid, and if he's a member, as if he's a member of the the druidic order. So he knows about the order, he knows about how they operate and what they do, and and all that kind of stuff. So he very much comes across as a druid. So, give us give us that. Tell me that. So initially, what Sam saw coming lumbering toward him was a large assortment of furs that loom above you layer upon layer of white gray black and brown performing a plethora of prey and predators alike their forms standing tall and wide at seven feet pouches with stitched runes upon them hang from their side and the movement of their figures accompanied with the faint chiming as teeth and jagged bone collide these charms hanging from their neck wrists and leather saddlebag upon examining their face you notice their skin is the color of slate green eyes observe you with a mild curiosity from a hairless head black inked markings covering their features in intricate patterns resembling 
what appears to be lightning. Mm-hmm. And you get five we speak common points if you worked out that he is a Goliath from that description. So he he appears and he very much looks like a druid and he comes across like a druid. At what point do you go, no, I'm actually a cleric. Oh, I'm just kicking myself. Sorry. Um, <laughs> or, or do you just not? Do you, do you play it out all the way through? I think I just play it out. I just let them figure it out, to be honest. I let the mm. other players figure it out. I don't give it. Why, why would I just go, oh, yes, here's my game mechanic stats. <laughs> yeah, you do like to hold stuff back, which, to be honest, has always been uh, great and amazing. Um, I can't hold out in the first combat, though. Sort of, it yeah. does force the issue then. Well, that's what I was going to say, because there are obviously very key class-specific features mm-hmm. that, that stop you from working out. But that's what's quite fun, I think, about D&D now compared to D&D when it first came out, 5e first came out, is that there's enough sort of cross-pollination, if you were, among the classes now. So, like, Sam's playing a... Um, uh, what, what is it? It's the sorcerer that has access to, like, healing magic and cleric spells. Um, divine sorceress divine sorcerer yeah, yeah. that's it uh, in, in one of our other games and it's like i forget that you have access to like basically the cleric spells <laughs> yeah and, and that because there's there's so much like cross crossover now that you could you could just be a very special different druid that we haven't come across yet because we haven't played every single subclass in the game but um yeah i mean things like channel divinity and uh I do, I do sort of like the idea of a divine sorceress posing as a cleric. See, and this is what I want to get into. This is the, like the why. Why would you do this? I mean, for our game, for, for that character that you just read out, it was very much, a, you know, I came to you and said, okay, he's, he's, it's a druid game. Do you want to play a druid? Do you want to be someone focused? Like you could be a mentor. And you were like, yes, but I'm not going to be a druid. And mm-hmm. um, so there was kind of a setup. But yeah, a, a divine sorceress being a cleric is a great example. So why what's what's the point what's the benefit why so the initial point of this was to help sam explore his character and try and break down any preconception he had initially of druids mm-hmm. because a druid isn't just a class a druid is a lifestyle oh yes wesley <laughs> of course it is and what better way to shake that than go here is what my character is they're just a cleric they just look to the elements, to nature, to gain their power. It's not from a uh, deity or something like that. They just look to the earth and surrounding powers that there be. Um, mm. I think in the PHB that it's somewhere is mentioned that you can draw power from different sources. Yeah, and, and in, in our, our world, and in, in my world and in our game, the Druidic Order follows uh, a path of, of what they call the source. So they just pull from the source of the world. Um, and that's what they consider to be uh, a god, if you were. It's not like like there are gods of nature and things, but but all those gods are merely working for the source of everything. Um, exactly, and you can respect a deity's teachings. Of course, you can. Like they, mm-hmm. they may align with your goals, but you don't necessarily follow them and draw your power from it. So I think that just became so, and immediately creates. An interesting dynamic. Mm. There's a relationship that is there, but you're not walking down the same path. You're walking in parallel ones. Yeah, and it's it's. I find it's a really good way to think about factions and and groups and orders and things. So, like when I mean the the obvious example here would be the Emerald Enclave, or you know, if you want to be a little bit different and you're looking at Faerun, you could go for the um, Watchful Order of Magus and Protectors in Waterdeep. Right, they. You look at that and you go, oh, well, the Emerald Enclave's for druids and rangers. Oh, the, the Watchful Order is for wizards. But why not have be a warlock that's in the, the Watchful Order? Why not have a warlock that's aligned to a, a, a creature that follows the source in the Emerald Enclave? Um, it kind of opens up your... It broadens your horizons, I think. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's, yeah. it's almost narrow-minded to assume a class goes somewhere mm. assume that they join a certain faction um and sometimes it creates great role play and there's nothing wrong with it but i think you can just broaden that a little bit yeah yeah for sure i think something that i've 
discovered playing other systems and something that I'm realizing from The Witcher, which obviously I've talked about a couple of times before, but we're, we're kind of jumping back into at the moment, is uh, in The Witcher there are no levels and there are no, um, like, uh, you play, their classes are called professions and the professions don't have core stats there are obvious stats that fit the stereotype of the profession like if you're playing a um a merchant you'll want to boost your empathy stats that you're better at talking and understanding uh people but there's no like oh i'm playing a wizard so i have to put my highest stats int and when you go and you play a system like that and you go oh i can i can go anywhere i could be anything i could play a witcher who wants to be a merchant if i wanted to then you can kind of take that away and bring it somewhere else. And, and it, it's like that eye-opening kind of palette, uh, palette cleanser. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel that way about this technique, but I always get stuck in the trap of, I'm going to play a wizard, so I'm going to be intelligent and I'm going to be good at what I do. So how do you overcome that? Because I, I would love to play a wizard that's not a wizard, but then I feel like I just get to the point where I couldn't do things and that would frustrate me. At that point, you're going to start having to put your hands together and look with pleading eyes to your DM to try and facilitate mm. something uh, to try and get around those roadblocks um, that you might create for yourself. Um, yeah, because it's, it's easier with the subclasses that kind of dip into those other aspects. And I guess you could do it with multi-classing too, but we're kind of, well, I mean, we can talk about that later because multi-classing is an obvious easy way to get a dip from a different class and a different yeah. aesthetic. Um, we're talking more about reflavoring. So like with the nature cleric and the, the storm cleric, their, their core features already kind of are druidy in a way, if you, if you yeah. flavor them that way. There's, it was a very easy coincision because they're, they're sort of in the same realm mm. of ideas, um, just with different... I suppose usually goals in mind. You can go with goals with everything, can't you? Um, yeah. So I'm just trying to figure out what would be the best way to suggest people just jump at it, but I'm not. Yeah, I, I know what you mean because it's tricky, isn't it? You kind of, if you have a situation where you've got a, a game and you're like, oh, I need a very specific faction member, or I need a very specific type yeah. of type of character but i like a thief i want to be a thief but i want to play a wizard who's a thief i don't want to play a rogue who's a thief that's a that's a i think that's a good jumping off point because yeah. you can look at a wizard and you, wizards are good at utility anyway and you'd be like oh well the spells i want are silence and knock and um dimension door and stuff like that it's when you start looking at the other classes like maybe you look at ranger and you're like oh, i want to be a thief but i want to play a ranger horizon walker and it's like okay how do i reflavor that to fit a yeah. like fit a thiefy I character there are definitely other opportunities especially with like martial classes as well um a paladin i could very easily see a samurai paladin very easily i've never thought of that that's quite fun okay i yeah. can very easily see that as something someone would want to play that kind of stoic um protects the village x part they of the have order. a ronin wandering trying to restore <sighs> their uh honor yeah yeah see that fits really easily and then do you let, let's go with that that kind of concept for a sec the paladin as it is is very obviously religion focused they have the smite that's all about getting power from their god. So how would you reflavor those things to fit that kind of samurai-esque vibe? Do you necessarily need to have it be divine light? And this is why I've got you here, Wesley, because you, you don't need right it to questions. be divine light. See, the the best thing with smite is you can just make it look like you're really digging deep and using super exactly. strong strength. Just reflavor it. Mm. You're doing you know, the last moments where you get in that really keen strike. Mm. You can also always pose where you're doing the um, anime-esque and you hold it in your sheath for a moment and then and That swipe. thing where you move way too fast <laughs> so the camera exactly. doesn't see you. That's yeah. your smite. <laughs> oh my God, there you go. Perfect. Done. You mm -hmm. are a, you're, you're a weeaboo. Um, <laughs> this is the thing. I feel like, and I don't say this accusingly because I do it too, I think people get stuck into the uh, the box of a character 
or, yeah. or the box of a of a story or an archetype or a stereotype um and maybe i think you know that's not necessarily a bad thing because we i've we said before and i've said before stereotypes are stereotypes for a reason cliches are cliches for a reason cliches are usually good um that's why they're cliches because people love them but when you do them over and over over again you get stuck in your ways and i think that's why like i often play someone with magic because i'm like oh well why would i want to be a martial character i want to have magic powers but you can have those magic powers even from a fighter like could do you do you think here's a challenge do you think you could reflavor a fighter into a magic user with just assuming a fighter class yeah because that, that's that, possible. There's two extremes there. It's definitely possible. Um, I would say it'd be easy just to flavor on some magic to it. Like I'm just saying, if you had weapons, etc. Um, I'm just going to take, for example, a crossbowman with arrows. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could easily ask your DM, of course. Like DM, please. I would <laughs> get, like to make on your knees and beg. <laughs> Um, I would like to maybe put some, you know, some runes upon a gauntlet on my hand, and instead of having Eldritch Blast, they're just they're just they're just normally crossbow bolts, right? Okay, mm. crossbow bolts coming out of the hand, etc. But then you have the unfortunate circumstance where if you get a really cool magic weapon and the magic crossbow that your DM has provided you, mm. what do you do? Mm. Yeah, it's Did like you ask DM. Could I maybe destroy this beautiful magic weapon that you have provided with me to absorb its potential into my arm? <laughs> into my arm that I have reflavored as I am just a mere fighter. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a line, isn't there, with flavor? At some yeah. point, like there's a whole level of it that that doesn't interrupt you, you anything. Can go absolutely so far with it though. Yeah, and break like every mechanic there is, but well, there. So that's the line, right? So there's a point where you go, okay, this is now not just flavor. This could potentially be. This is just bit another icky. class. What are you doing at this point, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, and at that point, you need to talk to the just, DM. Just be a warlock. Just throw eldritch blasts at people. Well, that's the thing. So this is this is where I guess you have to find the balance. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, I want to have this cool hand magic. Well, okay, well, I'll just be a warlock then, and I, I'll yeah. just. Not use. Uh, I'll just reflavor what my spell slots are and things like that. There are definitely better ways to be. I think it's commonly called a gish. Yeah, martial spellcaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's definitely better ways to do that instead of like forcing it through flavor. But it's potential. Um, I will go on to another point and bring us back to another. Nevin, I was going to start focusing more so on his tailoring as a bard. Mm. So and Nevin was uh, a character who uh, rest his soul, uh, being absorbed by the soulmonger, as we speak. Um, what what bard was he? What class? What subclass? Um, oh, off the top of my head, he was the Fey linked one, uh, which I can't remember off the top of my head. Glamour bard, I believe. Okay. Oh, oh, I was right. Okay. Yes. Um, so and you, you were going to have him go into because he he's a tailor in his in his life. He created clothing. Exactly. He was majorly a tailor. Um, so I was going to, as, as, as it would progress, things would slowly solidify. He was still getting used to his new power, but it would solidify into the point where he would be using his tailoring as his main sort of focus and his key point to rejuvenate his creativity. Because I see bards as less just musical arts, but more creativity as a whole. You can have a dancer yeah. for inspiration if you wanted um, doing grand movements to perform inspiring feats to their party. Well, that's the thing. Like, I really love playing a College of Swords bard mm-hmm. because they're so good at martial fighting and they've got good magic. They're not quite specifically gish because they, because of the way the action system works in D&D, mm-hmm. in 5e particularly, it, it's difficult to cast and have good martial combat in one turn but they're a great class to play to get get a bit of both worlds and that is uh, in my mind is like sword dancing right that's like capoeira that's not um 
it's not that they've i mean it could yeah. be but it could be that they're, they're so trained in in fighting with a sword that they are magical like mystical to watch but in my mind it's performance sword fighting mm-hmm. now i'm immediately going to a monk and saying a monk could do the same a monk yes a, a, a dancer and just apparating around people whilst kicking them around the face <laughs> that, well that that literally is capoeira yeah um, but yeah see this is the thing it's like w- you say the word monk and you don't think of anything but the stereotypical monk and that's mm. that's i think what we're talking about breaking out of to give yourself more option and and more variety with with what you're playing yes is there anything that you would warn against with doing this because I, I like you've done this very well in the past. I don't think I've ever seen you play a character, both as a player and a DM, that I've gone. Oh, that doesn't make sense. Like it all kind of lines up. So you, and you, you clearly put the thought and effort in. But is there anything that you think? Oh, maybe I shouldn't reflavor, or maybe I shouldn't do this. Or I think when it goes way too extreme, like mm-hmm. as we were suggesting with the fighter and getting like magical beams coming at their hand. As much as I like the cool idea of it. I wouldn't personally go that far. Um, do you do you restrict boundaries on yourself then? I will try and reel myself in a little bit if I mm. think I've gone off a deep end. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Has, which, I'm interested now. Has there ever been a time you've gone off the deep end? Uh, I feel like I haven't gone too far with it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. To the point where I'm like, oh, okay, I've gone way too far. Because mm. um, I'm usually, I like tamer concepts and then I build off them. Yeah. So that's that's where I come from. So I I don't usually go into the outlandish area, um, which I guess I'm quite lucky with. That I'm always trying to be. You're quite grounded, bit. aren't you? I try to be. Um, and then I add more magical stuff on top, and then more magical stuff, and then we get crazy backstories in as well. <laughs> but that's Faerun. I feel like Faerun is not the most mundane of places. No, it is quite a high magic setting. And I think yeah. this, okay, so this is an interesting take then, is like when you're, um, when you're playing in a low magic setting or a more grounded setting. In The Witcher, I'm not being a magical person. I'm going to be uh, a grounded boy who is nitty and gritty and... Uh, Hate You're playing a random criminal, aren't you? Uh, I may change it on the moment. Okay. That was just, right. We would do just for explanation. We did a whole get everyone together. We started rolling stats, going yeah. through characters, trying to get us all used to the process. Mm. Um, and I just, I had no idea what I was doing at that moment. So I just rolled a criminal, which I may change. But I really do like the idea of being someone very mundane. It's typically dangerous setting. Funnily enough, um, and we're we're coming away from D&D now, but it's kind of relevant. Um, Artalzorian, who are the uh, publishers, the creators of the uh, the Witcher RPG, they released an April Fool's joke. They've released a few in the past, but one of them, they they went above and beyond and they released a fully playable peasant profession. I did see this. So... it was an April Fool's joke, but it is playable. It is. Mm-hmm. You, you could do it you, if you oh, wanted hello. to. My name is uh, Bob. I'm here to help you with your journey. I just, honestly, I just wanted to uh, harvest some turnips hey. and I got lost and now I'm here. Now we got my pitchfork. Uh, if you see anything that looks scary, I'm going to try and stab it. And if you don't work, I'm going to run away. What's that? My defining skill is I can create a mob out of any other peasants in a five-mile radius. I'm real persuasive. I'm, v- I'm, I'm very bigoted. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know where we were before this. Really mundane, yeah. So that's interesting then. Would you... Th- would you... I'm trying to... I mean, this is a really interesting conversation, but I'm trying to find the like the 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 why in this because is it is it just the fact that you've played a lot of D and you've played a lot of classes that now you're like i want to mix it up i want to change it up now yeah i think it is okay um i kind of i feel like it, it there's always this draw to go higher and better mm. and become more outlandish and wonderful and edgy and I'm the cool broody guy in the corner. (laughs) There's always that draw to do that. Um, But if you 
boil that down into something a lot simpler. For example, the Taylor, which I started with, then I went too crazy. But I'll t- take this as an inspiration. Just going with a Taylor and then figuring out what their life is, what their story is. It becomes so much more concise. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot more potential growth, which, you know, I love. I love my character growth. Okay, that is, that's what brings me to the sessions of like, yes, give me this character growth. Yeah. <laughs> Development. Um, I just love building on it because you come from this very mundane background and getting thrown into a magical setting is scary. It's frightening. It's, mm-hmm. Faerun is terrifying. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's dragons and demons and devils. Just think of a normal peasant. They haven't got magic. They're just going around. There's a monster on the horizon coming to eat you. Um, yeah. And then coming from those humble little beginnings, you have to try and figure out the world and mm. somehow protect yourself in it. And the easiest way to do so is through trading. Magical items, artificer. Um, mm-hmm. It does remind me of uh, uh, one of the characters from Critical Role, which was which uh, season? Uh, season one. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone's going to hate me for not remembering the character's name. I have not. Oh, watched. Wesley, pressure. I know. I won't remember it. But the artificer that Sam played, that was significantly lower level than everyone else mm-hmm. that has so many wonderful <laughs> magical items that they sort of made up for it. Mm. I really do like that concept. Or maybe what? having like a level one character who just has amazing magical items. The party will kill them and take them. But <laughs> mm. Yeah, and then they'll stop working five days later. Um, <laughs> I do think Artificer is a great place to start this and practice this. Like, I mean, I feel like this doing this and reflavoring classes is the the route for the people that don't like min-maxing or multi-classing, right? When you're like, oh, I'm, I'm bored of playing the typical wizard. I want to play something else. I'm bored of playing the typical fighter. I want to play something else. Start reflavoring. Um, Artificer is kind of that in a class because you get all the spells from like wizard spell slots and it's like, uh, spell lists and it's like, well, but you're, you're not a wizard. So how are you going to cast curious. these? If anyone listening has played before Artificer and decided to do that with a wizard. We'll reflavor the spells. Yes, I'm genuinely curious if anyone made a wizard character and reflavored to just engineering and crafting things before Artificer was ever out. That's, that's actually a really interesting question because Artificer existed in previous editions mm-hmm. um, and it came quite late to 5e. So, I mean, it came out with er- uh, Eberron. So... Yeah, there must there must have been people out there doing that, especially people who played older editions and and wanted to be an artificer. Yeah, I've had players be artificers, but flavor them as wizards, but play them as if they're like not good wizards. Yeah, um, which is, which is so much fun. I like that a lot. I've had people do that with sorcerers too, which is kind of an interesting. Uh, fit because people always say, "Well, why are you going to play a sorcery? Might as well just play a wizard." Um, unless you're running the spellpoint variant available on the We Speak on Patreon, hey, eh? mm, yeah. um, yeah, yeah, that's an interesting question. I'd be really interested to tweet us at We Speak Common. Let me if know. If anyone has done that, I would be so happy to hear it. I will lord you so many compliments. You deserve them all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But but artificer is that kind of like testing ground because if you want to play that steampunky like mechanical engineering yeah. type artificer, it's like okay, well, how are you gonna? I mean, the example I always think of is how are you gonna flavor your healing? Uh, is it a healing word? Healing touch? Healing? Healing? It's just cure wounds. Cure wounds. That's the one. We don't have of... this word as much as I would love to have it. I don't have it. Yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah, how are you going to flame flavor your cure wounds? Are you going to have an actual medipack, or are you going to have like potions? Rings. Yeah, exactly. Like, here's here's a shot of adrenaline. Um, yes. You know. So, play with that idea. There, I think is 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 a tip we've we've stumbled across there. Yeah. I think artificer is definitely the initial class to start with when you want to reflavor 
Um, and that's the the book sort of helping you in that fashion. And then you can move over to other things. But this is just reflavoring spells at this point. We've done a whole episode on this on another. Mm. Mm. So yeah. maybe you try and steer back from that. Well, actually, yeah. That, I mean, that is that is another place to start. Is is describing and flavoring spells and actually yep. there i there's a there's a that's a big chunk of what we're going to talk about um because going back to your cleric who was a druid you did that with with a few spells um but before we talk about that wesley i need to i need to tell you about our wonderful partners oh please do uh, i had to do it at some point i was trying to find a way to slip it in and, and surprise you but i i'm i'm not on form my finger hurts far too much for my brain to work <laughs> um <laughs> this show is brought to you in partnership with uh, the dice dungeon our wonderful friends over here in the uk who have been supporting us for such a long time um they're incredible guys uh, a wonderful uk storefront online there's a link in the description below where you can get yourself amazing amazing dice their collection is growing at the moment, it feels like every other day they've added so many new sets. There's dice rolling trays, of course, D&D books uh, and uh, lots of other paraphernalia, too. And actually, one of the newest sets is the uh, legendary ore set, uh, Boar Knight, which I think I'm saying correctly, is gorgeous. It's like this grey, metallic-y, stony kind of look with beautiful uh, rainbow lines breaking through like the ore in in stone in a mountainside oh my god incredible i cannot do it justice go and have a look link in the description below remember if you uh, use the code we speak common at checkout you get 10 percent off everything in your basket um and go and check out what the guys have got going on they've got a lot of a lot of interesting little bits going on the website have a little hunt round. you'll find some fun little secrets um we're also brought to you in partnership with describes but d-s-c-r-y-b adder.com on the end that's the website and you can go there if you're not very good at describing things and actually what we're about to talk about describing spells uh, they have a whole host of what they call scenes that are written from a player perspective so it's things like i do xyz i cast cure wounds i cast find familiar uh, and and it's a, a, just a piece of text you can read out of the table if you're not great at making your characters sound really cool and painting that picture in people's heads they've got you covered with their professional writers over seven thousand five hundred scenes and growing it's probably more than that at this point they add them in every bloody day i can't keep up uh, go and have a look Link in the description below. You can use the code COMMON at checkout to get 10% off your subscription every month for the first two years. But of course, there are a bunch of free scenes on there for you to peruse already. So go and have a look. Try before you buy, as I always say. Um, yeah, two wonderful partners who have been with us for a very, very long time. Uh, go and show them some love. And in turn, you'll be showing this network some love too. So, Wesley, spells. I, I mean, I, we, we have talked about this before, about like flavoring spells i mean one of my favorite things to do when i play a wizard and i think i mean i'm just obsessed with spellcasters but when i play a wizard is things like uh, orlo has flaming sphere and obviously he also has fireball because what what good wizard wouldn't leave the house without fireball <laughs> i don't have one on my wizard. oh well there we go that's, that's interesting uh, i mean i can't talk i didn't have absorb elements and it nearly killed me so um he will have flaming sphere out and will ram it into uh, uh whatever enemy he's targeting and then i'll cast fireball and describe the flaming sphere exploding and then reforming which is one of my favorite tactics uh ever this is very thematic it just always well. gets a good reaction as well if someone's new to the table and they've not seen it's me like, do it oh, before it's so cool <laughs> it's like my 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 signature fire move now um but that's very much in line with with him as a character. He is a wizard, right? Those are very stereotypical wizard spells. When you were playing this cleric who is a druid, who is a cleric, you had, um, I'm trying, I can't remember which spell it was. You had a couple of lightning spells that you described very, uh, very druidy, like very typical cool lightning druid, but you're not a druid, I you're a cleric. I a lot of natural elements, I believe. And like the air suddenly getting this uh, taste of ozone to it mm. um, and mist generating. Um, spiritual weapon was obviously a small uh, thundercloud because. Yes, that was it. Yes. Um, so <laughs> everything was thematic uh, around thunder and the sky, the earth, etc. Everything I did. I also, um, my character has a, 
a war mall. Um, I'm sorry, a what? A, a, a mall. Oh, a right, yes. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't hear you. I said war mall. I just mixed the two, it's fine. <laughs> it's like, he has a wumumumul? A wumumumul. Uh, and I have told the dead. And um, it's just like describing bringing this uh, large hammer down because I'm a giant Goliath, right? Mm. Um, this twiggy, like druid figure, giant Goliath. Um, but let's be honest, my strength stat's not great despite being a Goliath. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, I roleplay hitting the ground with this small, which uh, brings like a cracks in the ground, small fissures that move towards an enemy and then that thunderous like clap goes and it's, it's just told the dead guys okay it's not it's not anything too fancy but it's it's more interesting it's but a bit it more thematic sounds cool it sounds cool and it's just a counter so. and like this is the thing if your dm knows you're gonna do this like i think you kind of have to give them a heads up like oh, i'm gonna flavor my spells to be a bit more druidy it's like i get to sit there as a dm and i go what are you? What are you doing? What are you? What? <laughs> and then you go, Ben. It's 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 told the dead. I'm like, oh, okay, cool, yeah, cool. But like, that's that's cool. And I, I remember this a lot when I'm flavoring spells as well. <laughs> but I love it because I'm sitting here. Because usually as the DM, you sit there and you're like, oh, you're gonna do this. You're gonna like, oh, Ben, I'm gonna use this action. Oh, Ben, I'm gonna do this. And I'm like, okay, yeah, cool. But when you cast something or you do something and you flavor it, I'm like, what is this? This is cool. And then you tell me, I go, oh, okay, it's that. And it's, yeah. that's a lot of fun. And I think the, the antithesis of that was your, your um, what's it called? The weapon, spiritual weapon. Yes. As a thundercloud, you described how it had, um, uh, it appeared and the, the attack that it did, you flavored as like a lightning strike. Mm-hmm. And I remember Sam being like, Oh my god, cool lightning. Oh my god, how strong are you? And I'm like, <laughs> that's that's just a spiritual weapon. <laughs> and that's that's fun because it, you make you you make yourself look like this really powerful druidic character, but you're just using a very obviously if done in the the standard way, very obviously cleric thing. Yeah. Um which is the whole the whole point of this, right? Is making it not obvious that it's from yeah, a different class. It's it's just reflavoring it um to just aid your character. Um, and I think doing that with spells is so important. Um, I did, I did like the, uh, the reaction I got in TOA, um, when I was doing the, the tiny Leoman's hut. Yes. I was decided to describe it in the wonderful way. Um, uh, so I'd been doing this prior several times, despite it being my spell list, I was having it fail because I was doing it on my own rolls. Because Wesley is the best player in the world, he imposes his own disadvantages on um, So I was rolling because this is, it was meant to be a hex crawl, it was meant to be dangerous, mm -hmm. right? And I think just having a Leomon's tiny hut kind of ruins it for Burn a bit. I very so, much appreciate it. I was it. like, all right, I'll do some rolling for you. <laughs> yeah. um, so describing this, uh, I did the whole area where I was carving into the mud in a giant circle. And it was raining heavily at the time, and I essentially described the water suddenly bouncing off what appeared to be an invisible field as slowly coming from the ground was this wave of liquid that was slowly forming up and reached into this sphere. And then as it touched that area, suddenly a large almost eyelid looking substance came up to coming from the ground thicker like a reptilian eye coming to the top and then peeling back as if it had two lids i love with, how gross this sounds to anyone who doesn't know your character <laughs> with uh, a large like orange hue in the middle and then it just peeled back and it's a normal Tiny man's, Leoman's hut. It's great. It's wonderful. Everyone can have a nice time inside. But and everyone was it. like, <laughs> literally. I mean, so you're a follower of um, Savras. Savras, who of course is the the the, the big open eye. Is there the many eyed mm -hmm. god, the one who sees all the diviner? So a lot and, of my um, spells are flavored around these multiple like animal eyes, yeah. which looks gross. It's awful. 
It's really grim. And the whole party is sat there like, what's happening? I don't, what are you doing? Are you the villain? Like <laughs> not understanding what's going on. And then at the end, you're like, yeah, it's, it's Lumen's tiny heart. And they were like, oh, thank the Lord. Because <laughs> we thought you were summoning some weird giant creature. Um, but it's also like this, it's that thing of like, giving everyone a little surprise, giving everyone a little little spectacle and you get to have the fun. Like you said, like watching people's reactions and mm-hmm. trying to work out what it is. You you kind of get that magical um, mysticism back for what your character is able to do when you, you flavor them and describe them in different ways. Yes. I love it. I love it so much. Okay, look, we're, we're sort of coming towards the end of this episode. So let's, let's kind of sum up the who, why, what, where, when of it all. Um, the what is reflavor classes and abilities as different classes because it will give you more fun and more creative outlet in, in your games. Um, if you want to be a nature-based character, don't feel like you have to play a druid, basically. Exactly. You can be anything you like. Just reflavor your spells. You, be, be what, you can be whatever you want, honey. You can be, okay? We believe in you. Um, the why is the the fun, the rediscovery of the magic of imagination and the the reactions from your players and your party members uh, and all that kind of stuff. Is there another why in there for you? No, but I think that solidly puts it. I love seeing everyone's reactions to everything. And bear in mind, I also enjoy hiding everything from everyone. So. Yeah, you, you, there, are st- there are things about your characters that I will never get to play with or know about ever again that you still won't tell me, even though they're never going to come back up. Which... Why well, should I? They might come back up, maybe. <sighs> I mean, when I'm if... old and withered, I'll bring out all the Google documents and be like, here, Ben. <laughs> I mean, one, not if they're dead. And two, <laughs> uh, it's very bold of you to think that Google documents will still be around when we're in our <laughs> 90s. So I, I, I appreciate it. The fact that we, you think we're going to get to our 90s is, is a big compliment. <laughs> um, okay, so that's the what, that's the why. Uh, the when is do it now. Do it now. Give it yeah. a go. Um, any any passing final tips? Just have fun with it. Just go go a bit wild. Just see what you can do. If you have a character concept, as Ben mentioned, if you want to go something naturey, don't go do it. Go anything else. Get outside of your comfort zone. How far you can go with it. Yes, I like it. Um, my, my final tip would be chat to DM, just say, Hey, I'm, I want to be a nature character, but I don't want to play a druid. I want to try something a bit different. I want to be a nature based wizard. And, um, cause again, I just can't get my head off wizards, uh, and, and be open with them and talk to them about reflavoring and stuff. But the fact that mechanically nothing's going to change. Um, and then my final tip would be channel your inner Wesley and keep everything hidden. When you're casting, uh, the cantrip that looks like something else don't at the end of your description say yes it's firebolt just um do the thing do the mechanics for it and if the dm questions it shoot my message but hopefully you have spoken to them before and they'll know what you're doing cool amazing i love it I'm so, so here for this. If you have uh, enjoyed this conversation uh, with every Table Fables episode, what we like to do is continue it as much as we can. So get in touch. Uh, have you done this before? Are you going to do it now? And have you ever reflavored a wizard into an artificer before artificers I, were an actual I, class? I need to know if someone has done this. Someone's got I would buy a bit of money Someone on has most likely done it. I, I'm just, I need to know them. Yeah, because okay, I enough. will have such long conversations and love them dearly. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to receive Wesley's love, you can reach out to us at We Speak Common on Twitter, at We Speak Common on Instagram, We Speak Common Pod on Facebook. Of course, we have an email address if you want to use it. It's We Speak Common at Hotmail.com. And if none of those work, the best way to get involved and the place where the conversations never stop, and uh, I know for a fact that this will become a conversation, uh, is the We Speak Common Discord, which currently the only way to get into is to head over to our Patreon. And there's a link to that in the description below it's also on all of our social media uh, and by joining the patreon by supporting the show you join a a bustling and honestly incredible community of people who 
I love talking to every single day. It's it's wishy-washy, but it's it's my favorite place on the internet and I'm so proud of it. So uh, if you want to come and join us there, we talk about the show, we talk about D&D, uh, we talk about fantasy life. We, you know, we're mates, we just hang out. Um, come and join us there. There's other stuff on the Patreon too, like specific uh, exclusive merch and the ability to come and be on an episode of We Speak Common. Uh, but uh, yeah, the Discord is the real draw. That's the real draw. That's that's the prize. Um, and if that's not for you, if you don't want to pay for this free internet content, hey, it's cool. I get it. The best thing you can do is share it with a D&D group near you. Wesley, thank you so much for this wonderful uh, conversation. I feel like I interviewed you a little bit about your characters. That was fun. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. I don't usually tell too much, but here I am, spilling yeah. my secrets. One day, <laughs> one day I'm going to get you hammered and then just put a microphone in front of you and you're going to just let it all out. That's my plan. I'm not sure how far that would go, but... Maybe if you do a bit of roleplay with me beforehand, we'll, you'll, you'll get it. <laughs> roleplay? Drinks? A microphone? Oh. Where is this going? Okay, cool. let's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's put a stop to that there. Um, thank you very much. Have a wonderful rest of your evening. You as well. And I do hope your finger heals nicely and doesn't fall off. Uh, I think it stopped bleeding, so we'll be okay. <laughs> Great. See you later. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the We Speak Common Podcast Network. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to leave a review on your platform of choice and share us with a friend or D&D group near you. If you'd like to directly support the network in the production of new shows like the one you heard today, head to the description of this episode or our social media pages for a link to our Patreon page. You can connect with the show on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at We Speak Common. The network theme is Street Dancing by Timecrawler82 and is held under a Creative Commons 4.0 license. You can find it on the Free Music Archive.